morning. So this week is the kickoff. It's a Passion Week, Holy Week. It's, it's the big, huge event in the life of, of people who follow Christ, right? So now if you didn't grow up in church, you may be thinking, well, what does that mean? What is Passion Week? What is Holy Week? And essentially, it's the week that we remember the final week of Jesus's life. Each day reflects on a different aspect of, of that week, leading up to Easter, leading up to Good Friday, really, to Jesus' death, and then to Easter Sunday, to his resurrection. And so each day is a different portion of that story. And again, watch this week as we post those videos. Now, on the surface, that might not sound very exciting, right? It's like, okay, uh, it's kind of like a history lesson or watching a movie that you've seen before. What, what's so exciting about that? Uh, it might not even really seem applicable giving our current circumstances. Like, what does is, what is Passion Week have for us in this situation that we're in now? Uh, but what we find when you open the Bible is that we're not just reading history. What we are doing is we are listening to and interacting with a word that is active, that is, has a unique ability not only to be read, but to read us and reshape our very core. So, while the account we're going to read this morning today is rooted in history, particularly in first century Jewish history, it still speaks and applies to us today. It really shapes our present. So let's find out how by deep diving a bit into Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. All right? Now remember, if you don't have a Bible handy, just go to Bible.com, great resource, Bible.com, and look up Matthew chapter 21. Verses 1 through 11, right there on your computer or phone. This should keep playing in the background. Open up another tab, uh, pull it up on your browser on your phone. Find it, interact with it, open it up, read it with us this morning. Read it with your family as we're going along, okay? So Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, we're going to break it into some pieces for you, okay? So Matthew 21, verses 1 through 5 says this. Read along with me. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem... And came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Verse 3 says, If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Okay, now I want you to open up your imagination this morning. I don't have the ability to do fancy tech. <laughs> I can't recreate things in animation for you. I'm not that gifted. Uh, there are plenty of people who are. I'm not. But I encourage you to, to open up your, your childlike imagination. If you have children sitting with you, they're going to do this automatically. But if you're older and like me, and you don't use your imagination much anymore, this is a great opportunity for you to be able to tune in to that little piece of child that you still have left inside of you and put yourself in to that story this morning. So let's do that. Here we find Jesus and his closest followers walking up to a village named Bethphage, okay? It was on a high hill opposite of what was comparatively a big city, Jerusalem, right? So you have big Jerusalem sitting on top of this, of this hill, this, this mount, and you have a valley in between. And on the other side, you have Bethphage on this little corner, the side of the mountain, right? And so sun shining, right? The birds are chirping. It's a beautiful day. Uh, it's gorgeous. And 
you can imagine all these things as Jesus and his followers are walking up to this little village. Now, this is an important day for Jesus. It's the beginning of a week that will be the culmination of his life's work. Everything up till now really means nothing until he rides into Jerusalem to complete his mission. Understanding the importance of what he's about to do, Jesus sends two of his followers ahead to get him a donkey, and a donkey's full, all right? Now, he even gives him the words to say in, any, in case there's any opposition from the donkey's older, owner. Rather. Now, this is pretty impressive, all right? Because we're given no indication that Jesus had prearranged to have this donkey uh, set, set aside for him. Nothing in the text or any text we read says that Jesus had called ahead, right? He called a donkey takeout order to make sure he had a donkey ready for him. He called a donkey Uber and said, hey, pick me up. None of that happened, all right? It was just him, his disciples, and this little town ahead of us that wasn't ready. They didn't know what was going to happen yet, but Jesus knew. He, being fully God and fully man, knew that the donkeys would be there that morning, knew that the donkey owner would ask why they needed them, and knew the exact answer to give the owner when he even asked the question. What's even more impressive, because that's pretty impressive, right? That, that, that's remarkable, really. What's even better than that is that not only did Jesus know these things that day, but he knew that they were set in motion nearly 500 years before. All right, imagine this, 500 years before, through the words of God through a prophet named Zechariah. Right? Verse 4, Matthew chapter 21, verses 4 and 5, right? We just read it. This took place to fulfill, to, to make sure it happened the way it was supposed to. What was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble, and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. His followers did what was asked, but didn't fully realize that they were witnessing the fulfillment of 500 years of history. They were witnessing the very plans of God come true. It's moments like these that believers can draw on a comfort and a hope that is unparalleled. Just like Jesus' followers that day, we imperfect people, we never claim to be perfect here in this church. We are super incredibly imperfect. We're just imperfect people following a perfect God. We're trying to daily strive to follow Him. But we can still be confident, not in ourselves, Right? Not on our abilities to, to, to meet uncertain situations like the one we're in today, but in the God that we serve, that even when we don't fully understand what is happening or why it's happening, that God is in control. He knew 500 years before that he would ride in that day or walk up that day to that village of Bethphage. He knew where the donkey would be. He knew where the owner would be. He knew the words to say. He knew all those things. It was all part of the plan. God wasn't surprised then. He's not surprised now. He is working out even the very situation that you find yourself in this morning for His glory and for your good. So that's the comfort we can have before we get into too deep into this text. He is in control. He knows you intimately. He knows the situation. He's working out even now. But better than that, <laughs> what I love about this text is it goes beyond that. God loves and cares for you individually and us as a, as a family, and he, he wants us to be brought in to his house, so to speak, into the family of God. And he is, he's done that. We're going to talk about that in Easter, how he's accomplished that. But even more than that, not only does he intimately know you, 
just like a great engineer or a great mechanic, you know, they know that every single part of that engine, right? Every single part of that car. They know how it works, why it works, how it's pieced together, how it's going to, the oil needs to be moved in the right directions, the combustion needs to happen so that it all works to get that car moving forward or truck moving forward. But just like that good mechanic and good engineer, God not only knows and intimately cares about you this morning and your situation, whatever it is. I don't know what he does. Whatever your situation is, he intimately knows and cares for that. But he also knows and cares how all our lives work together for his ultimate plan for the good of all humanity. How it all fits together in a perfect way. Now Jesus' plan that day was bigger than disciples and donkeys. It was a plan put in motion to rescue the people of Israel and ultimately the whole world. The fulfillment of God's word from Zechariah that day was the fulfillment of a promise to a people in need. Just like us today, he was fulfilling a promise to people who were in a desperate situation. You have to remember that hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, the nation that he was born into wasn't exactly great. It wasn't in a great situation at all, right? He was born into a situation where they they were ruled by foreign powers. They were beset by sickness and disease. They were full of corrupt leaders and tax collectors and people who were cheating them every single day. But that wasn't the beginning of their history. The beginning of the history, the peak of their history, was under a king named David. Under a king named David, they were prosperous. They were flowing. They were were one of the best and most well-run and blessed nations in all the world. Everything was going great. He was a king like no other David was, a good leader who cared for his people and followed God with everything he had. Under his rule and reign, things were the best they'd ever seen. But after his death, things didn't go so good. The people and the kings that led them rejected God. And they really attempted to just to try to do things their own way. They said, we don't need God. We don't need those, uh, the, the way it was before. We can do things better, right? We can invent things that are better. We can make a new path for ourselves because we can control this situation. We can control what's going on. We can do this our way, and it's going to work out just fine. And so they rejected God's control, and they said, let's let's do our own thing. The funny thing is, the more they grabbed for power for themselves, the worse things got. And eventually, they just lost control. And they lost everything they had had before. And it became subject to foreign kings. However, even in the worst of that situation, even in the midst of that time, God was still working things out. God was and still is gracious and loving. And though he was rejected time and time again by that people, time and time again they said, no, we don't need that God. We don't need the God that gave us the good times. We can do things our own way. We don't need those rules and regulations. Toss it out. Let's just do our way. Even though he, re- he was rejected time and time again, he made them a promise that there would be one who would come, a new king, like David, but better, who would restore the people and bring blessing and freedom once again. He sent messengers throughout history called the prophets to remind them that the promise would come to pass. It might take a while. It might seem like it's never going to come, but it would be fulfilled. They were to hold out hope for a future that would look radically different than their present. 
In Isaiah 62, verses 11 and 12, it says, Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him, and they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. This is a complete reversal of the situation they had found themselves in. Even that moment when Jesus was coming to that little tiny village, they were a people that were forsaken. They were a people that were not sought out. They were a people who were marginalized and oppressed, a people under sickness and disease and foreign powers and political oppression. And yet in that moment, even before that moment, God said, you will be sought out. You will be a city not forsaken. I will do. The verse that Matthew quotes is Zechariah 9, 9. But I want to take it from 9 to 12 as well. And listen to this as the promise of God speaks forth, again, 500 years before Jesus. Here it is. Rejoice greatly. Rejoice greatly. These are people who are still, by the time Zechariah is writing this, are still under foreign rule. They still don't have their own place. They can't uh, make land transactions on their own. It's, it's a situation that is horrible. They are not under in their own control at all. They're just subject to all these foreign powers. He says, yet in that moment, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming, the promised one. The king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Is he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey? Verse 10. And so what he does when he comes. All right. This is going to set up what, what Matthew is talking about. This is how why people get excited that day. We're going to get to that. Verse 10. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off. In other words, war will cease. All right. They've been surrounded by all sides. He's going to cut everything off. Every enemy, gone. He keeps going. He says, And he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. In other words, the whole land's covered. And as for you also, because the blood of my covenant is with you. In other words, because I've made a promise with you that is unbreakable. Unbreakable. I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold. Verse 12 says, and this is my favorite of all of it, Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. (laughs) Not just restore to you back to where you were before. Not just make things as good as they once were. I will put double. I will give you back more than you had before. More than you had. Be a prisoner instead of hope and not of the situation that you were in. Now, they had to wait. All right, they waited a long time. They had to wait for 500 years, but centuries. They had to wait centuries. But they continued to look for that king who was coming, the promised king. They began to beg for him. They began to, to do anything it takes to bring him in. They were ready so much to be out from under Roman rule, to be out from under these uh, corrupt leaders, from being out from under the sickness and disease. They said, please, just give us this king who has promised we're ready. They were begging for deliverance. Now, we might not be under political persecution, but we are oppressed in many ways. One, by this sickness. There's so many affected. We know so many individual cases, probably personally in your life, you know at least one person that's been affected by this situation, this sickness. 
We're all affected by the policies that are put in place that forced us so far apart, right? We were feeling that this morning, but even during the week we do. We're all affected by the economic fallout that slashed our income, has piled up the debt that has caused us to have to live in these times that we don't know if we're going to be able to even make it to next month. We're going to, we just don't understand how we're going to make these payments. We're in a battle of oppression, of being overworked. There's some people who are essential needs that are out there working time over time and time and a half and do whatever it takes to be able to meet and help people, and they're just working themselves to death. We're also in danger of being underworked, feeling like we can't do anything. We're, we're, we're not of any value. We're just sitting around bored at home. And How can we help? How can we do something? We're just sitting and not being doing, doing anything at all. And That can create fear. And anxiety, and often does. We talked about it these past couple of weeks. That's a very present oppression in our lives this morning. We who are used to being in control find ourselves no longer in control. But the word of hope, the word of hope rings out to us this morning just as it was being fulfilled that day. There is a promised king still setting prisoners free and bringing peace in his wake. We continue in Matthew to find out how this morning. Matthew 21, 6 through 11. The salvation the people were looking for that day arrived with Jesus on his donkey. So let's look at it this morning. 21, verses 6 through 8. It says, The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their, spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So with Jesus seated on the donkey, his followers in the crowd that had begun to gather, gather began to see him as just as Zechariah had promised, just as God had already laid out. They began to see him as a king that they had been looking for, a liberator. One not riding on a war horse, however, right? He didn't come in with a big sword. He didn't come with a whole army. He didn't recruit these people and say, here, take this sword. We're going to take this city. He came riding on a donkey, humble, a symbol of peace, as one who had already won the battle that was ahead. They treated him as royalty, laying down their cloaks, cutting off palm branches from nearby trees to pave his way into the city. The procession came off that hill. Remember, here we are in this situation. Put your imaginations back on. Here off, here's Jesus coming down the mountain, down into the valley. People started to gather before him, coming from Jerusalem to come to see who this guy was, what was happening. Crowds from the towns and countryside started falling behind him. His disciples were with him that morning. They were all coming down, coming down in this big procession. The, crowd, the palm trees are being laid down. The cloaks are being laid down. They started to come in and see this spectacle of this man of authority who dared to ride in, who dared to challenge the oppressors in their lives. Matthew 21, 9-11 this morning says, And the crowds that went before him and they that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? Who is this guy? And the crowds said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now Hosanna, you have to understand what this is, right? Hosanna was an ancient Hebrew word that originally meant save now. Okay, that originally meant save now. But through the experience of history... What the people began to understand was that God was faithful to save. 
He was so faithful to save. They knew their history. They, they read, and there's the devoted people who were constantly going back to the Scripture and saying, man, we know this God is faithful to save us. We know He is powerful enough to take us through whole many situations throughout our history. We know that He is faithful to save now. So it began to transition from save now to salvation has come here, right here, right now. They recognized their need for salvation from God, right? They still meant it saying save now, but they also knew that in him, it had already started to come to pass. In that same breath, they knew that he would indeed save. The people that day knew their need of rescue. They had spent their lives looking for a king to come. And that morning they saw him, so they cried, Salvation has come! The long-awaited king of David has come. He's here. Salvation from heaven. Hosanna in the highest. Salvation from heaven is here. They cried out, Blessed who he, is he who comes in the name of the Lord, meaning the one who has the favor of God, meaning the one who comes with authority and power in the name of the all-powerful God of the universe, who brings salvation that transcends time and space and reaches to even now, to even you and me this morning. to the very heart of our need. Times of uncertainty like ours bring us to the realization that we need more than just positive thinking, that we need more than a mere good to strive for. We need a Savior. We need the one that is in control to come and rescue us. We need a King that conquers the enemy that surrounds us, the king that delivers us to freedom from our economic circumstances, one that doesn't bring death to deliver our freedom, but that gave his life for it. We should cry out, save now. We should cry out, save now, in confidence that he has saved, that he is saving, and that he will continue to save to the very end. Hosanna, Hosanna to the true saving king. As he entered the gates, the whole city was stirred up. The Greek word there uh, is actually meaning something bigger than just a stirring. All right, so we kind of imagine somebody kind of shaking something up. It's a seismological event. It means like there was an, almost like an earthquake in the city, not a physical one, but a social shaking. People were like, who is this man that is riding in today? What's all this commotion about? Who is this? The crowd that followed him shouted out an answer in passing. They said, this is Jesus of Nazareth from Galilee. You know this guy? He's a prophet. He's a great guy. He's awesome. <laughs> We've been seeing some miracles he's been doing. It's been pretty good stuff. You should have been here when we saw it. We loved it, right? They were all about it. They're like, yeah, we know who this guy is. We've seen him for years. He's been doing great stuff. But they didn't fully understand who he was that morning. They didn't fully understand. They didn't fully understand what he was about to save them from. He was going to do more than just simply remove political corruption and sit on a throne of stone. He was going to live, or give rather, his life to free us all from the power of the ultimate oppressors, sin and death and ascend to take a heavenly throne 
that is above all thrones. That week they would come to know Him as more than just the King of the Jews. They would come to know Him as the King of all kings, over all things, including death, hell, and the grave. This morning, we each have to answer for ourselves, though, like that crowd that came out and said, Who is this? We each have to answer for ourselves. Who is he? Is he the great teacher? Great moral teacher that helps us live out better lives? Is he just a, another one of history's good people that did some really good things? Or is he Jesus, the promised one, the saving king that not only rode into Jerusalem that day on a donkey as king but also as king here this morning of us. King of all kings. The one who died not just to save one nation, but for all nations. And rose again to prove his victory and is calling out to you this morning, salvation has come. Who is this Jesus for you this morning? For seekers, thank you for being a part of this experience this morning. It's a little easier. You don't have to physically be here, so you don't have to come in the doors. But it's still a decision to to sit and listen to this word this morning. I thank you so much for joining us. I thank you. If you're not sure where you're at with with Jesus, maybe you don't know who he is fully. Maybe Maybe you think you know and you're like, well... I don't know if I'm ready to accept him as king of all kings, as the Lord of the whole universe, as God himself. I don't know if I'm ready to accept that because that means some demanding things on me. One way to encourage you to do that because it means some amazing things for you. It means that you are set free from the fear of death and the power of sin over your life and that you're set free towards this incredible adventure, not only in heaven that awaits us when he comes back, but also here and now as you're set free to live a life that is worry and anxiety can be cast on him we can live it in freedom with him. So I want to first encourage you to accept that. We're going to give you a, a chance to do that, to be able to accept him as king of all kings, as king of your heart, all right, this morning, as your, as your Lord and Savior, someone who's in charge of your life instead of you trying to be in charge, because that's what it ultimately comes down to. I'm saying, I've messed things up, and I need a Savior. He is that man. He is that God man. But if you're not quite ready to do that yet, we totally understand that. We totally believe and, and come to know that faith is a journey, right? And that it takes time sometimes to get to that point of realization. And we want to walk that road with you. So if you're not here this morning, here, quote unquote, uh, and, and ready to make that first decision, that first step to enter into that relationship with Christ, that personal but yet bodily relationship with Christ, we want to make sure that you know we're still here for you. We're ready to answer questions for you. We're going to walk that road with you virtually now, but whatever way we can, we want to be there for you to help answer those questions and to show you what living like Jesus looks like. All right? It's probably different than you think. And so we highly encourage you to do that. We're going to give you a chance to respond to him in just a minute. But first, let me talk to believers for just a quick last second. These are the days, followers of Christ. <laughs> These are the days where we stand out as different. Or we should. These are the days when we cry out, save now, with the conviction that the call is already being answered by our saving King. These are the days that we are reminded that we 
are salt and light. That we are prisoners of hope. We are proclaiming the gospel in the face of panic, frustration, and worry. These are the days when we shout, Hosanna, salvation has come in the King of Kings, even here this morning. So as we wrap up this morning, thank you for joining us. Let's pray together as we, as we finish this morning, okay? Let's pray together. If you're there at your home or wherever you are, feel free to close your eyes, bow your head. You don't have to. It's totally up to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close mine. But if you're here this morning and you haven't made that decision yet to respond to King Jesus, the one who wants to rescue you from the stuff that you're going through, the one who's ready and waiting to take you from this mess, to give you a peace unparalleled, to make you a prisoner of hope this morning. If you're ready to make that decision, you simply do it by speaking out, by calling out to Him, just as the people that morning, just as the people hundreds of years before called out in a need and say, Dear Jesus, I know that I can't fix all this on my own. Maybe the bills are piling up. Maybe, maybe the sickness is worrying me almost to death myself. Lord, I'm a little scared to even go outside. Lord, I know that things are out of my control. So I want to put my life under your control instead. Lord, you take charge this morning of my life. God, forgive me of all the times I've tried to do it myself. God, forgive me for the hurts that I've caused to others. God, I want to live for you and you alone as I know that's the best way, the only true way to really, really live is to live for you. If that's you this morning and you've said that prayer for the first time, I want to make sure you get an opportunity to respond and to have to follow up with that. So go to our website, faithchurchvt.com and, and email me Text me, post it on, post to give me a private message on Facebook. Do whatever you can. Get up with me some way. Find a friend or family member who's already a believer and tell them you made that decision today. Don't let it sit. Just because we're quarantined from each other doesn't mean we can't connect. Continue to connect because there's steps we need to take after that. God, that, that, that helps you to understand what you're doing and how this is going to change your life forever. Okay? And that you're not doing it by yourself. Nobody's asking you to do this by yourself. We're all in this together. Amen. So I highly encourage you, reach out, find someone this week. For believers, let's say one more quick prayer. Lord, help us this week, God, to reach other people. God, to know that as we cry out, save now. As we cry out, Hosanna, that salvation has come. God, let us live as salt and light, as prisoners of hope. God, bring that hope. Everybody we see this week, God, let us be filled and overflowing with that hope this week, God, in the midst of these trying times, God, and to be able to reach into lives and families and people's situations, God, and proclaim that hope this week in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Catch the replay on YouTube. If you don't have a chance to grab it today, share it with somebody. We'll see you next time. 